Betty is trying everything she can to find her happiness as Don Draper's housewife. I am so happy to be at your side, Don, because everything's great and I'm not at all unhappy. There's nothing sad about me. A term coined in the late 1950s to describe the advertising executives of Madison Avenue. They coined it. You're in here now. I'm smiling. What do you want? Welcome to They Coined It. I'm um, busy looking up who Leopold and Loeb are. What was the line? Uh, it's a great line, actually. actually Don said you know, it. What was the context? It's when Ken and Freddie are, you know, pointing fingers at each other over the dust incident. And uh, <laughs> they're in Don's office. And he goes... And Don's like, you know, these two knuckleheads, and he calls them, you know, was anyone else there behind, besides Leopold and Loeb over here? Leopold and Loeb were the two people, and I do not have to look this up, I'm proud to say. I, I, in, in my family, you should be proud if you know stupid shit like this. Anyway, Leopold and Loeb were the two botched kidnappers of the Lindbergh baby. Right! So if it's a couple knuckleheads and everything gets screwed up, you're Leopold and Loeb. Great reference. Means nothing uh, from 1970 on, but in 1962, it was probably still top of mind from the 20s or whenever that, or the early 30s when that happened. Right. So. Again, wasn't meta yet. It wasn't self. It wasn't. It no, wasn't a joke that was, that's been that made hip, about. Right. That was a hip reference in right, 62. Right. Leopold and Loeb, for God's sake. <laughs> um, pre-war, you know. Dan, are we recording? Uh, are there people are listening to this now? I, I like. I think I, we're just starting. To, I love it. Let's I just can start. hear people clicking off as we're talking, but <laughs> I don't really care. <laughs> No, Benefactor, a, a much underrated episode. This one does not get love like it ought to. So I'm happy to talk about it. You mentioned for, from time to time, like you have a sense of what's rate, what's over. Oh, yeah. Right. You like know, you have exactly. a. Like, like, you know, people, people go crazy for the suitcase. Rightly so. Right. Sure. Like that's one that stands out among that season and most episodes and the wheel and Hobo Co. Like there's certain ones that are just kind of. A little bit of Mount Rushmore for, for I think, for, for most Mad Men yeah. fans. Yeah. This one doesn't rank like that, but it is super enjoyable, super entertaining. We meet Jimmy and Bobby Barrett, these two freaks of nature. That beautiful scene when Don meets Bobby in that silhouette in that in, in the in the, the, the bar Which we've already set. seen, right? right? We know where they are because it's a set. It's That's a commercial right. set. Yeah, you get that amazing kind of 30s noir look right. when they're, and when it's, they're And that talk about meta and self-referential, it looks like they're meeting in a noir 1930s bar, <laughs> right. but it's, hey, they're, sweetie, right. they're at the set. Right. They're not even at a real bar. Right. But it, it could just as well be taking place uh, over cocktails. Let's get into the friggin' episode first. The Benefactor. Season two, episode three, written by Matthew Weiner and Rick Cleveland. It's a new name. We don't think we've seen that one before. Hmm. Director, Leslie Linka Glotter, known to Mad Men fans. Original air date, August 10th, 2008. Takes place late March, 1962. What I noticed in this episode, in, in the viewing of this episode, was not that it wasn't a great episode. Not to not at all that I'm disagreeing with you, but it's st- it is... I just noticed the weirdness that is Mad Men most episodes <laughs> and how there are these connecting tissues for sure. Hmm. I, I, I know it shouldn't be remarkable that it's uh, unusual television viewing, but it's what makes Mad Men Mad Men is this sort of weird little bit disconnected. I mean, some of the pieces come together and some of them don't. We still are hmm. in the, here's some baseball, Dan, wind up of the mm-hmm. of the season which is you know there's a disjointedness yeah to most mad men episodes and then sometimes we get that it's like we talk, what we talked about it with the with the wheel where you were saying like this one sort of doesn't do that this one is more straightforward yeah. right right and, right because right. things... we wrapped up the previous episode right uh, and, well and with nixon versus kennedy right because the the action was coming fast and furious and and things think... when things pull together toward the end of the season things start to pull together but it's always going to stay they these do. disjointed well season one had the had the main i keep calling it a tree trunk of the plot of who is Don? Where does he come from? What's this thing with the Purple Heart? You know, all these kinds of breadcrumbs that we pick up. Okay, right. so that's season one. Season one ends, boom, 
It is wrapped. That is that story is blown out. There is nothing left to this. I mean, we talked about a few things like Peggy and so forth, but for the for the meat and potatoes, it is a complete story with an ending and a and a final solution. Final solutions <laughs> and a fi- a finality to to all the all the action. Now we get into season two. And we have all these open questions. There was the time jump. There was what's happening with Don and Betty and the relationship and Peggy. So we pick up all of those things. But, you know, there still has to be another story to take place. There still has to be some pickup and some acceleration of a plot. And what is so beautiful about Mad Men is that it does both things at once. That's it gives right. you all this atmosphere and sort of environmental stuff. But you got, you know, here we, we meet, you know, real antagonists in <laughs> right, Jimmy right, and Bobby right, right. but what, I mean, my, what I'm is... saying what I'm saying and you're not saying you're just you're not we're not disagreeing I just want to drive it home it's like any even in season one any given episode has that odd dis sort of fragmented sense you know it, again later in different different specific episodes you can find the one big piece and and maybe that'll connect to the one big piece of the season right but in general most mad men episodes are not one self-contained story or even three it's there or it's not even limited to the three in, in most as you're describing it you're correct however there's the alternate part of that which is each one is its own little movie it's it's intended to have a kind of a feel and something that makes it distinct from the the episode before and after. Like it, they're really these are self contained stories at the same time, which is very contradictory because I don't disagree with anything that you said. But the the same is true of the opposite, and that's, <laughs> that's I don't mad, know how that's fucking mad that is madman. <laughs> there is no other show that can do that. <laughs> Harry is like in a long line of TV characters who cannot do something illicit without getting caught. We've already seen that with the Hildy incident, <laughs> but he can't, you know, open up Ken Cosgrove's paycheck without it becoming like this whole, you know, Keystone Cops thing. Sal says to him, you told your wife about this? And he says, I know, I do that. I keep doing that. I don't know what to do. <laughs> well, the whole thing with Sal is like, <laughs> Sal has him pegged. And then he tells Sal what, Ken makes and he, you know, does the whole with the pencil and just, <laughs> I love it. It was great. It's, it's a, Sal, it that was a, a wonderful Sal scene. It's a Brian bat tour de force. Oh, it was that great. Is. Yeah. It's like, and you're worth every penny they're paying you. Yeah. <laughs> just puts it all together. But that fits in with this, you know, it's a bit slapstick, but there's this whole, what are you worth mm-hmm. theme? Jennifer Crane comes off as a little bit of a, Lady Macbeth, right? She's kind of prodding him to, yeah, I do. I mean, when when she says something very cutting, like, I didn't know this was about you feeling sorry for yourself. Something like that was very manipulative in her way that she knows she can manipulate her husband, especially when her husband's Harry, that, you know, leads to all these unexpected things, including Harry getting a promotion, which (laughs) pleases her greatly. Well, actually, um, I think I deserve a raise. And I think you've already received a sizable reward. Let's not get greedy. I'm not being greedy. Are you arguing with me? How much do you make? $200 a week, plus drinks. Harry's negotiation with Roger is just one of the great, you know, it's such a perfect Roger scene. Not a spoiler when I say the first of many. I think the show just loves putting like completely unequal characters yeah. together. Yeah. You know? He took enough to, to know that he would please his wife, not enough that maximized the situation, right? You know, the fact that he knows what Kenny makes. So he, he took the half loaf and walked away. That's that's how life usually works is you get you get sort of like uh what is it they they pay you um just enough to keep you working and you you make just enough to keep from quitting or you know something like that like that's it's always one of the things one of the things too uh and this i noticed a few different times and we'll see if i noticed it enough that it it is a theme but but that there's the secrecy some of the secrecy that people are living is is working to their advantage you know i mean harry did a really shitty thing 
and then lied about it to everyone. Mm-hmm. You know, he accidentally opened it is not what happened. Well, Sal's not buying it. He's Sal's like, not buying it. Doesn't, you know? Yeah. <laughs> no, he had to know. He needed to know. He had the check in his hot little hands. He was not going to put it on Ken's desk unopened. It was. Yeah. And all he could have done has been like, listen, I opened your fucking check. Fuck you. I mean, whatever. And not that that would have worked either. But point well, is. Or Sal said, throw it, throw it away. He'll notice it's missing. And, which is what 99 out of 100 people would do. Which is ultimately what he did. Yeah. Um, but he had to be told. He had to be told. He's, he's Well, he's, yeah, he's very bad at, he's very bad at being a bad person, but he, but he takes that first move often enough. But the point is it did get him his raise. It did get him his promotion. In this case, as much as it's secrecy paying off, it's really dishonor paying off. Yes. <laughs> he wasn't being secretive. He was That's right. He was, the honorable thing would be to lay it on. Sneaking, sneaking and doing something shitty yeah. is, is paying off. The name of the show is The Benefactor. So it's all about this idea of Don related to the Medici's, which is a little high horse but but it's this idea of like we have your work has value you you what you do is you know we want to we want to support what you're doing because we appreciate it and and so on and so forth so just that 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 idea that the the title of the show is the benefactor plays into this worth notion i think a little bit i mean it's the episode title of the yeah and don uses the word explicitly in the conversation with bobby at the bar. Oh, that's he says, right. He says, we're your benefactor. We're, we're your the benefactor. Medici's. We're, you know, we're, this can all go away. Supposed to be unspoken message that Bobby makes him say, <laughs> which is like. And she's very explicit. She's, she, she says the quiet part out loud about contracts and what, and what, what I do and don't oh. I know. I don't have to apologize and all of that. Yeah. And we'll, this is we'll, not a we graceful... will get, yeah, we'll get, we'll <laughs> right. get for sure. We'll get to that dinner. But, um, Betty in this episode not to be unnoticed. So you've got this, you've got the opening with Betty. It, it reminds, it's like a Victorian, I don't know. It's like one of these period movies where nobody says anything, but you're supposed to understand everything that's happening. And it was in the, in the, in the first episode of the season as well with, with her and Sarah Beth, her friend, Sarah Beth, you really have to read between the lines that there's this whole attraction with this Arthur and all of that. But by now we get it, even though they still never use their words. Right? Yeah, yeah. But what you do see is Betty sets it up that she's there. So Sarah Beth me- mentions to her that she's not going to be there on Saturday because her kid has a ballet recital. And then later we see Sally asking daddy, you know, the whole, that whole thing where, where she's now asking daddy and, and, and daddy's saying no, because clearly mommy wants him to say no, which is Mm -hmm. that Sally wants to come along on Saturday. And she's like, no, it's just for mommies. But we know that it's not just for mommies because it's only mommy because other mommy isn't going to be there. So she sets it up that whole weird, 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 conversation between Betty and Arthur where Arthur, you know, where Arthur's coming on to her and, and she's acting like, 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 what do you even mean? Like, I, like, I would not, na- like, it's just not even a thing that's on my mind. But that's, but that's Betty perpetually in high school, right? You know, um, whether I'm interested or not, I like being the object of affection. And so I like being chased in this way, and now I'm the married woman being chased, so I get to be a little extra haughty about it. It's it's still the, I'm still getting that dopamine hit of the attention and the boy and telling me his problems and me saying you know no thanks that, yeah like, th- that's th- th- that's that's Betty. Fair enough. What I was seeing in this episode with Betty was that she's. You know, she's, so she's found herself, she's found herself this outlet, which is the horseback riding. She's now found herself an outlet within an outlet, which is this flirtation and, and this attraction that she's fostering and then keeping at bay all at the same time. Right. Right. I don't think she's interested the least bit in Arthur. I think she enjoys the attention and that's. Maybe. I, I don't think I don't find him the least bit attractive. So I keep being shocked that they are fawning all over him. But but I don't I don't I don't know. I, there's, I don't see any evidence either way in that. Um, 
I mean, maybe, maybe, maybe she lets herself flirt, flirt with and be flirted with him because she doesn't yeah. feel threatened by it because she's not attractive. Tra- yeah, attracted. no, I, I don't think there's a single piece of evidence that she's genuinely. I think it's arm's length. I think it's. Um, she's set it up so that she can have this time with him. I don't have any evidence that she's not attracted any more than I have evidence that she's attracted. The point, though for me and and where this goes with Betty, because it does go somewhere. So then you get the dinner and and that whole thing, I'm taking you to Lutece, put on your Sunday best, and then she's disappointed that it's work. But then at the end of it, she's, I'm so happy we're this couple, we're that, you know, we're like, we're this power couple. She's overcome. That's right. Now, maybe. I always, I wondered, I looked at those tears and I was like, so here's what I think. So here's my here's the here's the Roberta kind of take on the whole picture of all of that together. Mm-hmm. Betty is trying everything she can to find her happiness as Don Draper's housewife. That's right. And and she's really and this is another place where where secrecy or a, a little bit of underhandedness or whatever we want to call that kind of pays off because she she goes out of the house and she. And she gets flirted with. And if you remember, she comes in and she acts very much like Don acted when Don comes in and we'll get to that. Right. But when Don comes in and rinses out his mouth, she comes in later with a similar like, like, you you know, like I can't talk to you just yet to like kind of wash up and kind of wash this off of me. But I think she's like, okay, this I can live with this. I can work with this. I can work with. All right. I'm good at home. I do my thing. I go power couple with Don. They don't have that language up, but you know what I'm saying. Um, you know, I be by his side and I, I, I go have the flirtation and I, you know, and I, I just, it's all working. This is good. I'm doing it. I got this. I got this. And I think <laughs> she starts crying in the car. She has no fucking idea why she's crying. And she labels it. Oh, okay. That's okay. I'm, this is me happy. I am so happy to be at your side, Don, because everything's great and I'm not yeah. at all unhappy. There's nothing sad about me. That's interesting. Yeah. That's what I saw. I don't know it's if I ever not, saw that before. It's not genuine contentment? Fuck no. Really? Interesting. See, I think, I think to her, in her mind, being uh, Don's, you know, partner in crime like that, being asked to go look your best. I need you to be, you know, your charming self. Like that is, that is the apex of Betty, the way she was raised. That's what she was trained to be and do. That's what she wants by all. Yeah, that's right. Uh, supposed to be totally satisfied. her backstory. Supposed to be completely satisfying, that isn't really it? really is enough. So. Is it? Would it be know. for you? I, 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 th- I, th- I thought the, um, based on what she's been through, and what we're laying on to this gap in time where she knows he was cheating and now they're a happy couple, or at least happy-ish. How happy is she being pimped out? To, now, I get it. He's Jimmy Barrett's a star, and she does love the attempt. I mean, she, there she was, all dressed up like... Yeah, I think pimped out's a little strong. So now we are jumping to the dinner, because let's roll it back a second. Bobby Barrett specifically told Don... What did she specifically tell Don? Make him think he can fuck your wife. <laughs> well, yeah, that's pretty right? explicit, right? So That's true. But I, I mean, did she, that carry through to, to Betty? Maybe, I suppose. Possible. I do think, though, that she is genuinely overwhelmed with this is this is all i ever wanted i don't i don't think that makes you cry i don't think (laughs) i don't think i don't think it is i think don left the table for 10 minutes at the same time as bobby barrett you think she didn't notice that my wife cries every night and i know that's exactly why (laughs) you're a really you're a really good husband dan i think it's right we go to the test like four times a week it's getting a little pricey Outdoor table. <laughs> I snap my fingers. Garcon. Getting a little cold. <laughs> I mean, TBD, I guess. We're, it's worth, again, we're no, early in the season. It's open for interpretation. You're right, and it's early. But that's what I everything. saw. That is what I saw. That I saw Betty doing everything she could right. to to be happy. And she it was a big, it was sort of a big high pressure night. Like, I mean, the other thing is, you think Don prepped her? Like, for what was going down, like she had to sit there and put all those pieces together. What kind of a partner do you think she felt like? I I don't know. I was thinking about that. Do you think she, does does Don like? Nope. Look, he really he shut the bed with the nope. client, and we gotta. <laughs> Absolutely not. Imagine my horror when a night on the town turned ugly. This is a nice place for nice people, and the jerk behind the bar he throws a bowl of nuts at me. 
What am I, a squirrel? Jimmy and Bobby Barrett. Let's let's talk about these two peas in a pod. So, <laughs> first of all, everything about them is weird and fascinating. Weird in a couple ways, I would say. Weird. weird. I just want to break it down. Weird together, weird, weird as individuals, and weird. First of all, we meet Jimmy in this really wonderful opening scene of the episode of shooting the, the commercial for us. I'm going to get back to breaking down my weird when it's the right time. Go ahead. We'll get there. <laughs> Plenty of time for weird. Plenty always, of time for weird. Always time for, for weird. For the weird breakdown. And what I, and just this character that we're kind of, that's dawning on us of who this Jimmy Barrett is. He's not a good looking, suave guy. We can see that from Patrick Fischler's fantastic portrayal. But it's, you know, I thought of when I saw this opening scene, the way that he gives instruction to the crew, shoot from over here, come into the left, you know, very Jerry Lewis, very uh, Jerry Lewis. Yes. Right? But, but a meaner, a meaner uh, Jerry performer. Lewis fucking mean. Lewis was mean. Oh, oh no. yeah, the persona, right? That's the right. Persona Lewis was, was, was different. Right. Right. Jerry Lewis is mean, but that's you're exactly right. Jerry Lewis yeah. is mean, but 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 he was more. He was like a Don Rickles meets Jerry Lewis because I right. think Don Rickles was supposed to be a pussycat. Jimmy Jimmy Barrett's a little more the shark on and off camera. Right? That's right. But consistent wise, in terms of consistency. So, but I but that whole idea of. I'm a comedian. I'm a funny man, but I know the business better than you, you assholes ever will. You know that kind of thing. I can, I can run this whole thing if you just. I built this town, kind of. He never right. says that, but he practically. Yeah, and you know Jerry Lewis is you know the 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 bellhop, but he's like inventing equipment for you know the the for the movie industry behind the scenes, right? Right. So, so that's right. I got I got that kind of a vibe of like, of like he. He plays a character, but he's kind of not to be trifled with. But there's this interesting two faces going on, number mm. one. Number two, you know, and obviously it's an over-the-top kind of persona. He's the face and the pretzels and he's all this, you know, kind of nonsense. But the, but you don't really understand until the next day or until, yeah, until the conversation that Don has with Bobby how drunk he was. Like Suppose, you start yeah. to you start to get it. Yeah, but Freddy at first too, you're just right? like, Freddy's oh, he's falling asleep in the chair. Well, Freddie. Right? They're both. Freddie's out of it freddie's an established mess yeah right but, so you can just but, imagine what the two of them together are like but you're watching um, jimmy barrett do his thing and film and do this commercial and you're you're not because we've just met him we don't know that it's that he's drunk we just think he's just no in fact he doesn't weird. play drunk at all i mean uh, it's, he's he's really holding it together pretty well he's a pretty good drunk in that in that regard yes just as quickly as we're getting this kind of Wow, this super competent behind the scenes guy who's still the funny man. We also see that he kind of has no moral center. He just goes right after, I forget her name, the Utz lady, in a horrific way that you just, there's just no friggin' cause for that. <laughs> like, there's, the, I mean, he's, I get, I'm the, I, I, I go after everybody. It's supposed to be an honor or whatever, you know, like if you're Don Rickles, sure, but that's not what this was. This was in no way a Don Rickles kind of a thing. It was vile. and It was vile. And by the way, there was a little bit of a theme because we had just had, when that happens, we had already, we had just come from the stable where, where Sarah Beth says, Becky has a dance recital. It's so horrible to put girls that fat yeah, in a leotard. Right. It's in the air from the, from the script. Uh, but what we learn about this character is that he, he doesn't even know where the line is. He's just, he can't, he's completely undisciplined personally. With things like this, well, he doesn't right? care. We've, he doesn't care where the no, line is. No, we've also we we. I, I don't know. I don't say we've all, but I've certainly known comedians who like they're always on. They they always think they're in front of an audience, even if they're just sitting around, you know, shooting the shit. They think they have to be on as a comedian. It's like, dude, <laughs> you could be a real person for five seconds. And, and he's an insult comic, and he 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 went for he went for blood. Yeah, he went for the jugular. So that's Jimmy. <laughs> then we have to clean up the mess so don is meeting his manager who ends up being bobby barrett who ends up being his wife and she's a whole nother episode of of craziness kind of like part lauren bacall part i don't know what the other part is exactly like i always get like a lauren bacall vibe maybe it's the hair but like melinda but like mcgraw is so exquisite in Perfect. this role but like the the husky voice and the the sharp elbows and say it like it is and a bit abroad an absolute broad you know from the 40s kind of thing 
and been around the block a time or two, as Bruce Springsteen would say. It's the shillings, by the way. Hunt and Edith Schilling. (laughs) (laughs) The names. Manman has the best names ever. I mean, you want to talk about shilling. You want to talk about benefactor as a theme and money and and transactions. Can name them shilling. Right. But she, I loved, I I really. Name name them Sterling, but it was already taken. Right. I really loved her performance. Wasn't it great? She was. Ginny Sachs from The Sopranos. I don't watch The Sopranos. We're gonna do this again. So I in don't the Sopranos, watch. <laughs> there what what the mob boss in New York was a guy named Johnny Sack. Okay. Johnny Sack was married to the actress who played Edith Schilling. Schilling. <laughs> and her weight was a part of the <laughs> was was part of the plot and dialogue as well. Because Johnny Sack was not an overweight guy. But he was deeply in love with his wife, like kind of like the opposite of what you think of these mobsters, right? He was absolutely doting on his wife, mm. uh, who was Ginny Sack. So that was played by Edith. Oh, so she plays Jesus. the fat wife in The Sopranos. She plays the fat wife in Mad Men. And it's not does not go unnoticed in either, which is sort of. I don't know, some sort of weird joke. For the record, I would like to see a day when a fat wife can just be a wife. <laughs> which, which in most well, in most cases, it's, not it's called just, out like this in most places. That's this right. Is over the it's top, just most. Right? It's like a lot of people just have fat wives. <laughs> like they true. just have them. Like they either started fat or they got fat, and it's not like oh, there's your fat wife. It's just nice to see you guys. <laughs> just FYI, that that's is our, my. That's our open. That's the cold open, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> I, might have, I might, I might have just had a rant there. Cold open. So, sometimes a fat wife's just a fat wife. Uh, Dan, fucking... you ever think of that? <laughs> Can a wife just be fat? Can we just have a fat wife, please? <laughs> nope. Nope. Not going to use that for the cold open. No reason to do that. Anyway. Regardless, uh, it is called out very explicitly and over the top. So uh, in both in both shows. So I think that's funny and worth noting. But um, played great by both actors uh, for for the shillings, and that kind of gets things rolling, right? So now we've got Bobby Barrett, the wife slash manager. We've got Jimmy Barrett, who you know is this kind of weird performer. Insult so here, comic. Here's what uh, I want to say about weird. Here's yeah. what here because I think there's a there, I think there's a like a three point weird. Mm-hmm. So a they are weird to the Mad Men world because they are these they are this like so again power couple. They are this like celebrity power couple. They are we have we have not they come into the Mad Men world like like they just they're they're nothing mm-hmm. we've seen right. and they're and they're not normal. I mean. The, uh, They're as, not normal. There's clients, nothing normal about them. As clients, you know, the, the Sterling Cooper may have interacted with with other actors and performers and whatever, yeah. but we've we've not seen it. So it's weird in that way. Right. And then again, each of them is is their kind of own version of weird mm-hmm. and they are this weird couple. Uh, I don't know how many, I don't know if my three point system holds, but they're, they're like, they're weird. They're weird in the Mad Men world and they're weird, weird on their, on, on their, their own, own merits. <laughs> right. uh, yeah. They, you know, right. They hold their own weirdness, but they are. And, and it's, we don't, we don't know this, but I, I get, I think he's, I think at least he's Jewish. Um, I think that, there's, there's I, a little I, tone you, of some anti-Semitism a, running through that. There's a vibe, right? There's, there's, there's a vibe. A, but the bat, but in the way that Mad Men is, is head and shoulders above the rest of the universe in indicating backstory with very little dialogue. She has this line of like, or I could say I'm his sister, like in the old days. It's like, what? Whoa, wait a what? What just? What was that about? Like, you just, you just, you you just advance this script like three episodes in terms of what we may or may not know about the Barretts. All I thought that meant was that. In, in the old days, she couldn't be, she couldn't even dream of saying I'm both his wife and his manager. That's Maybe. what I thought it meant. That's right. Yeah, no, that that's definitely it. But it's like I didn't think it was just like it was a little weird. <laughs> it was just weird, right? And you know, yeah. Jimmy Barrett's probably not his real name, right? He's changed it from something. So that alone just kind of gives so much dimension to who these people really are. And again, again, super thought out. 
everything is there for a reason. Nothing is there unintentionally. So you're getting this this crazy vibe. What I notice now for the first time after seeing it a number of times, you know, Joan goes to Don's desk shortly before we meet Bobby in that great kind of Lois getting <laughs> getting fired very unceremoniously. Well, one of the one of the things I was also watching for is that was it, when we've done our sort of domino uh journalism mm-hmm. on these episodes you know yeah. look look at like what the one thing is that kind of goes wrong that then leads to some other things i definitely noticed mm-hmm. that don fired lois right so when he has someone covering for him who covers over his indiscretions he can be indiscreet that's that's i think where you're going that is not where i was going that's the when, opposite lois, of where i was going you're, like you're lois, correct if you have someone like lois on your desk you have to be good because you're going to get found out when you have someone like Joan on your desk. Right. But that's not <laughs> where I was way. going. I was going the other direction, which is, uh, and it's funny because we also had Don at the movies and we've, 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 uh, you and I have alluded to Don at the movies. I think I actually, Matt, right. Matt Zoller Seitz brought it up in our season one right. uh, bonanza, but now we've seen Don, Don's just going to the movies in the middle of the day. But that's not what I thought. What I, well, no, what I thought, what I thought was he had this explosive that he got embarrassed he had to fire her. You know, Don Draper may be cool as a cucumber on the outside, but that's an upsetting and enraging moment. And then maybe you want you want to be bad. Well, it's what it's what Peggy it's what Peggy was trying to warn against when she upbraided Lois about being discreet on his desk, you know, earlier on. Don was furious and now Don's going to put that energy somewhere. Like Don, Don is, Don at this moment in his life, as far as we can see, is not cheating. He's just home and being good. When he's at the printer now, he's at the movies. He's actually at the movies, right. Not banging men. Now to go back to what you say, you bring up an interesting point, which is he's not really able to. But I also think that Don has been a little, I think Don, as far as we can see, has been trying to be good for a very long time in his marriage. And what I'm saying is, what you where, where I'm taking your premise of the dominoes is Joan being back on his desk is a sub, subconscious message. To That's right. That he's be, covered. You're right. I can now be the old Don. I will be. I will not get caught. I do not have the, the in a weird way, the protection around me, the the tripwire of a bad secretary <laughs> that will not cover for me. Did it happen in that order? Hold on. Did it? It did. Joan came back, and then he goes to the bar. Uh, yeah. No, I definitely never thought of that. I was just thinking again. Neither emotional. did I until you said till you right. started going there. And I'm oh, like, that's oh, funny. well, Joan's back on his desk. <laughs> he can go do that. Yeah, and, I guess he's uh, back in town. The that's old funny. Right. That's really, really funny. No, I never I, I was just saying he just he had a bad fucking morning, pissed off, fired no, her. I, and I and now somebody's it. saying hello. Hello, big boy. Right. Like and he's like, fuck, I got, I'm going to put this somewhere. But the, but the other but 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 I think that kind of ties into where I was originally going, which is Joan's the surrogate for the guys. Joan Joan is like a guy. Well, Bobby. So Barrett I'm not just it. so you know, I'm not as sold on this as you are. I mean, I can hear it. Not a hundred percent. Not every scene, every episode. But she has that kind of the the, the 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 her purpose in a lot of scenes that we've seen and will see is just that. So that's where I put that. But my my my. my reason I mentioned that is it's not that Joan's playing that role here necessarily, except <laughs> except for that covering for <laughs> covering for indiscretions part. But no, what I see is Bobby, the new character with the man's name, is a mm. little like Joan. They kind of have a real, yes. you know, uh, clear eyed view of the world. Yes. And don't kid themselves about much. That that part I thought was really interesting that Joan was coming back into Don's work life in that way just as Bobby's coming into his work life in that way, um, where it's this other, yes, strong female personality in a generic sense, but more specifically, these are two women who kind of use their use use their sex well, appeal in in very very different different but ways, very but powerful ways. Joan, very powerful. They're not I mean, afraid Joan's, of their sexuality. That's right. Joan says now. Joan, it's interesting because Joan had a, like the Joan Joan Christina Hendricks's voice goes a few different places, and Joan more had the little girl version of her voice. With Don saying, yeah, that's right. can I bring you your, you know, can I, I can't do it. I can't do it. I can't do a yeah, Joan impression. Uh, can I, what was it? The mother and the waitress. Right. right. And the waitress at, offers to bring in coffee and I, I still know how you take it. Exactly. But then the next thing is now let's go over your correspondences. 
I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to whip this, I'm going to whip this into shape. Right. That's right. And then you've got, but I just noticed that with the voice and you can compare that to Bobby Parrott, who has a a very specifically husky. Six pack a day voice. (laughs) She's just really fabulous. Yeah. So, so now, now Bobby Barrett is in our lives (laughs) and things are not the same. (laughs) Don's not the same. No. And I remember watching this and I still, I still watch it going because we've gone from this. Don, Don's being good. Yeah, Don, Don seems to be really committed to being good. Look, Don's at the movies. When Don's at the printer, now he's at the movies. Now he's not doing the other thing. Don's really committed to being good. And then just like that, Bobby comes in. There's a hailstorm. There's got to be some biblical reference there that I'm not catching. <laughs> that now, you know, it no, takes no, about... No, no, they said hail, but I saw frogs. <laughs> <laughs> right. It takes about seven and a half seconds for him to go from, I'm not doing this, meaning... I'm still Don being the good boy and she does everything but say, no, Joan's on your desk and grabs his crotch. That, and that's all out the window. That's all out the window. Now, what did, was there, did they go all the way in the car? Did, was there just a blowy? Like, what's going on in that car? <laughs> a blowy? A blowy. <laughs> and I swear, if you were to look back, there was a hailstorm sometime Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. Sometime in late March 62. All I do is got to message my sister. She'll she'll be like, oh, yeah, the hailstorm was here. Yeah, reports of a hailstorm. I don't care what they, I didn't get the, I got the impression they fucked in the car, but I I don't care. Like, I don't think it mattered. I mean, whatever they did or didn't do, they've crossed the line. The line is crossed. (laughs) Right. So, Uh, right. He brushed, you know, he rinsed out his mouth when he came into the house, right? Like, so, so disgusting. And it's not even like it's not even like nowadays where there'd be like a um you know a little like pump of you know disinfectant soap soft soap you know where you just go tap tap and like and you know rinse his hands. <laughs> this guy's got you know the canister of the Bon Ami powder <laughs> that he has to like, you know, like disinfect his head when he comes in. It's like comet, you know, when he comes in to clean it. It's not. It's very great. We're in a pandemic. We're not doing that. You know, like. <laughs> yeah, no, there's, there was no social distance. Again, very madman. Like you'll get like that whole, it's almost a distance. Like, again, we don't know what happened exactly in that car. We just kind of saw the line being crossed. It's definitely crossed. But then you get home and it's like, what does Don do after he just like had ostensibly intercourse with another woman, virtually a stranger in the car that he's tooling around, ossening with, with the family. You gotta, you gotta put that soap in your mouth and like rinse out your mouth <laughs> it's like you really you really got stank on your hang low when you when you come home and it's it ain't pretty yeah i mean and 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 whatever's going through his head I mean, and we you know we rarely know what's going through his head we we don't know how don you know what he 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 thinks about something deeply and then he forgets it. He doesn't think about how, what, how he and Rachel are going to have a future, but we also have never seen this. We, he usually spends the night with people. Yeah. He doesn't just fuck somebody in the car and then walk in and then walk in for dinner or whatever, you know? So it, it is a different, it is, is he disgusted by her? Is he disgusted with himself? Is he just trying to be cool with, he's trying with you know, he's just, not have Betty sm- not <laughs> yeah, busted, you know, is there any, but we, right. Like it's, it's any, it's any of that. And, yeah. and you know, Don being Don, right. Don being Don. So it's season two, Don, you know, in particular where the dam broke, Joan's back on the desk. <laughs> it's, it's just anything so goes. So so here we are in the world of Bobby and Jimmy Barrett, which, you know, takes us ultimately to the Monday night apology dinner. We're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back. The Defenders. The cast looked amazing. Um, it was. Uh, was that the American Express guy? It looked like Carl Malden, although Carl when Malden. I looked it up, I didn't see his name. Yeah, and I, and I always just assume that Carl Malden is in every third television series from yeah. like 49 to 73. I think that's accurate. Right? You can't go wrong saying, oh, Carl Malden was in that. And they go, yeah. Right. No, I think you're right. They're watching this episode of of The Defenders, and this the benefactor was this this real episode. One thing of note is that we have the return of Elliot of Beljolie. I completely forgot we ever saw him again. When we saw the dark room, I go, oh, that's right. They're playing this for the client and the client is Elliot. Is Elliot. 
the topic is abortion. Apparently they said it, what, 60 times or 30 times, whatever, yeah. whatever they said, they said. You've got some very uncomfortable people in that room. You've got mm-hmm. Sal. Peggy. And Peggy, <laughs> right. like completely like, again, Peggy, we we are early in season two and we don't know yeah. where that baby life, went. Other than the scene with the mom and the sister, we know. That's right. And a little she, more than we did But before. we do know, what we do know is that there was a baby in her and now there's no baby in her life of that's, or that, or in her person, you know, she ain't raising a baby. She's that's not all raising we know. a baby. Right. And she's living, I mean, talk about secrets, right? I mean, then mm-hmm. that's not, that's not a secret that's paying off. That's just going on. I just thought it was just such an, such an interesting, that the tension of those two people was very that's interesting. Right. And, and the other thing was Harry, you know, underhanded or not this business idea. Well, not underhanded. Actually, was not underhanded. No, no. I was no. We were talking about the other thing. This was a brilliant idea. Yeah. Now what I did think was interesting though, just as a sort of a PS to that. Mm-hmm. It was a brilliant idea. And, he go, and this is, it's from there that Harry goes and has the conversation with Roger, which we already talked about. But I thought it was unusual in the world of business for Harry to be so heavily rewarded for brilliance that has not yet landed a client, which is what he said to yeah. uh, Jennifer. Right. And, and And the reality is they're not, it wasn't in the business of landing a client. Beljo Lee is already a client. Right, but you know what I'm saying. He didn't, no, 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 he didn't make the match. He didn't he make didn't, the, sale. the sale. He didn't make the, the sale. Sa- the sale would have been, sponsor the show. We can get right. it for you at a great rate. Yes, it's controversial. Here's why we think it's in your interest to do it and why we're bringing it to you. Let's, let's have you sign on the dotted line. That would have been the win. And the win would have been 15% of whatever the reduced cost was of the show to begin with. So there wasn't a ton of money on the line for this. No, I just was, about- but what it is, but what he's getting rewarded for is the initiative and scoring <sighs> the points. And yes, and for and for the client recognizing Sterling Cooper as a place that brings innovation and out of the box thinking and new ideas to their Since media plan. Since when does Sterling Cooper reward people for out of the box thinking that doesn't pay off? I just I had a really and said, the client came in and said in front of the entire room I really appreciate you bringing this to us. I wish we were a different kind of company. Like that's that's high praise from the client's mouth. It's high praise, of- but I don't I don't buy it. I don't buy that high praise without without money is high praise in this business, and and that he wouldn't have gotten the recognition the, he got the until the ne- until the client that bought, that that signed. No, I know what you're saying, but I I think I think in that day and age when no. there was virtually no innovation uh, to speak of in the media buying universe. I can't believe that anybody would reward a bold move like that, especially in that day and age when it's like, see, told you, you shouldn't try. No, but you're always always looking for opportunities to differentiate yourself to the client. Doesn't mean they have to buy it for it to be a success. I understand the premise. I just, I can't believe. Yeah. I, I, I I find that might have been a little heightened, you know, in terms of gilding the lily, but I I don't think it's unusual that he could have gotten kudos for it and in this case a promotion didn't made no sense to me okay not that it made no sense to me i found it to be implausible i found it to be a television trick we don't usually spot those but they do exist this is a television show yeah yeah yeah. things get contrived all the time and things get tightened and contrived and it is my job to point it out and i didn't (laughs) i did not buy that i didn't buy it again this is, yep. there have been so many conversations about we don't want innovation. Now, Duck wants innovation, but nobody else wants innovation. Right. And so to reward it without it paying off is like, see, we need to stick with our safe blah, 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 is what I would think in real no, life. I think, I think everybody recognized that the, the, um, the client saw it as an inspired idea, whether or not it was right for them or whether or not they had four clients they could go to after Belle Jolie, you know, probably not. But- they, I think they saw it as an inspired idea, and that's what it was. Elliot was inspired. He was inspired Elliot. to go in a car in a hailstorm. <laughs> I love, I love him. I love Elliot. I, I just think he's a wonderful character. All right, so here we go. I've been, I've been stalling. I've been vamping. Dinner at Lutess. Do it. Go. <laughs> Get there. I um, I take notes as I watch these shows, and uh, I wrote down. When the big scene comes in, we know what the big scene is, right? When Don's coercion takes over. And uh, 
he's in the is that the is that the rest is that the ladies room with with Bobby or is it like outside the ladies room? I always thought it's it was outside. It's got to be room. outside the, the it's got to be one of these I've never been to Lutess. Mm-hmm. Amazingly enough. Um but I've certainly been to restaurants especially older ones uh where there are hallway you know kind of like in the theater like yeah. where there's like a hallway where all the ba- the lounges yeah, there's a are, prelude because to there's the right there's a the... prelude to yeah. each to each restroom and the restroom right. has a prelude to that so you you've got a lot of buffer <laughs> there's a lot of buffer so so, so nothing will, nothing will waft <laughs> well, <laughs> it's a right. no it's a no wafting zone right well <laughs> So I tapped out when I was when, uh, on my phone while I was watching hashtag me too mm. with Bobby. And then I rewrote it TWO because <laughs> that was a real, that was a real digit dropper. Oh. And, uh, <laughs> it's, you know, the dynamic is Matt has described this as a sadomasochistic relationship. Uh, I don't know if Matt has ever had a real sadomasochistic <laughs> relationship. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> you know, I mean, I, don't know if I that's remember Hellstorm either, but the right the first time I saw it, <laughs> I it felt very rapey to me. Uh huh. It's it's a it's I don't I feel a little unqualified to to really accurately analyze it, and you know, you've got so we do have a sense of what Matt's intention was. Right, but we shouldn't have to view it purely on that. Right, and I, you know, I just, I don't, I don't know what we're seeing. Well, um, right, I, and I think, I, I think it's worth examining from that angle. Whether whether or not we accept it or adopt it is is up to us individually. But as a, I as mean, the if, audience, but if you know, he was, if you take, if you take, as we say, the dominoes, where Don crosses the line from being good Don to bad Don by force of Bobby Barrett's uh, everything. And now we're in bad Don territory. Well, and, then, and you've got Bobby Barrett's line, I like being bad and then going home and being good. Which came after the, the, the uh, oh, no, no, that came before. It I'm sorry. Yeah, it came, it came between, before. Between it came, the car and the dinner, right? That's right. Um, so now he's not home technically, but his wife's right there. So he's- Really pushing the boundaries of the being. Well, Betty's bad. out. Betty's out at the stables. No, not Kids at dinner. Home. What are you talking about? Oh, at dinner. Oh, I thought you meant during the phone call. Sorry. All right, we're back at he dinner. Alone. Yes, exactly. And he's he said she he's, said that, but now we've got Don being bad. Not at while not at home, his wife right. is right there. Precisely. So it again. I'm trying to understand. Or I'm trying to at least say that I, there was a threat, there was a violence, but I do think she submitted when she came back and made Jimmy apologize. I don't think that was a, I'm threatened. I think that was a, oh, okay, this is the game we're playing. I'm submitting. Yeah, exactly. you You submitted to me in the car. Right. I'm submitting to you here. It's a back and forth so from, taken from that viewpoint, the sadomasochistic thing kind of holds. You know, you, there's evidence to support that that's exactly what this is. Now, I mean, she what? She just gave up $25,000 that she had been demanding she, before. Right. She, she before was, uh, before the digits. She was uh, <laughs> pre-digit. She was negoti- <laughs> negotiated away from that. Um yeah, so so you can say that you know, I'm going to coerce you, you're going to coerce me and there's this little cat and mouse thing. Um, or you can say, look, how hard is it to, um, seduce Don Draper? Not that hard, you know, <laughs> you know, did, did it really take an S and M relationship to snap Don out of good Don, uh, a role play? Um, you know, I think that's how the viewer sees it. Don's going to Don. Don's, Don's going to be Don. Don's not going to be good Don for 13 episodes. That doesn't happen. He offered her the ride. Yeah. He made, you know, again, yeah, we never, in, in this. Don. In this the, whole the Victorian, meeting ended on a, the meeting ended on a sour note, and he's like, "Come on, I'll give you a ride." You know, it was like, "Huh?" That was. Well, I'm still going to be a gentleman, and you're still going to be a lady, and then uh, who knows? Who knows? Who you know? Who knows? 
Yeah. So anyway, they're in the car and it's a hailstorm and, and whatever happens, happens. And now good Don is now bad Don and he's bad and goes home into being good and blah, blah, blah. And, uh, and Lou Tess. And what I love so much is. Um, that was our previously on this episode. That was very right. good, Dan. That's your recap. <laughs> that um, they sit back down and Bobby has been made to heal, as it were. And uh, I think uh, Jimmy would like to share something with you. Mrs. Schilling, Edith, I was out of line the other day. I shouldn't have said it to you, and not just because you're married to him, I shouldn't have said it to anybody. Not in that environment. Sweetheart, look at me. You too, Hunt. Can I call you Hunt? There's the guy under the lights, and there's me. He's made me rich, but he hasn't made me very nice. Hope we can put it behind us. And he goes into the, you know, it's not the the, the 10,000th time that she's had to tee him up for an awkward apology. And he does it beautifully. He, he, just, did, a, he did a good job. I thought it was, again, he's done it before. Not his, not his first, uh, you know, oh shit, these people, you know, keep the lights on for us, whoever it may be and at this moment in time that uh, I have to now eat a little crow and, and, and be good. So... Yeah, I don't think. <laughs> and then the line about I don't have the stomach for it, and then his reaction. Yeah, right. With the, with everything's the a slapstick, was, right? Um, I mean, that was funny. His uh, his performance as this oh, vile. He's done tons of other things, and I'm just like Jimmy great Barrett. actor. That's yeah. Jimmy Barrett, you know, left, right, and center. So he is a great actor. Um, but this whole kind of backstory that you know exists between Bobby and Jimmy. Between the line about being his sister and I uh, do the negotiating and, um, you know, the, the cigarette, the cigarette holder, <laughs> the, just every piece of affectation about these people is is spellbinding to me, um, you know, and he's flirting with the woman in front of his wife like it's no big deal because between them, who the hell knows what's going on that, um, no, you're, you know, J- Jimmy's kind of set up again. I think for most of the episode, and that's what Mad Men does so great because it's it, it it's spoiler alert. It's going to flip flop back and forth <laughs> many times, but but for all that kind of um, serious artist we see in that the glimpse of the serious artist that we see in the first scene, competency and technical acumen and all the rest, um, he's played as a clown for much of the rest mm. of the episode. Yeah, he really is. He's played as a total clown, and that's why the that's why the apology works, right? But he's literally going back and forth within the contours of the dinner. You know, I know the other thing I wanted to say about this scene, and going back to the theme of fatness, and you know, we set it up right. It's already been set up that Jimmy Barrett is going to be all over Betty. Mm-hmm. But when you are the fat woman who has been insulted for being the fat woman. And then you come to this dinner where you don't know that you, that the perpetrator of this vicious onslaught Mm -hmm. is going to be attending. And then all he does is get up the ass of the Marilyn Monroe blonde. Mm -hmm. And she was done up, right? She, she was, she was diamonds are a girl's best friend, you know, drag. It's every bad thing about being a fat woman. It, it was, it just furthered and furthered and further, furthered that humiliation for her. And that's because and that's guess the, what? Because inside, it doesn't matter how old or fat you are, mm-hmm. you, your desires from in here are the same and how you view your own sexuality and how you relate right. to the world is not how right. the world relates to you. But now right. you've got to deal with all that. You know, so you're sitting here looking like her being like her thinking, well, someone could give me a little love. But I right. never get it, right? No, and that's the culture that Mad Men exists within, where um, being having a disability, and let's call being overweight a disability in this instance, um, huh? you're invisible. Why? Why is being that, because you're is... treated as you're treated completely marginalized? That's not a disability. That's just a marginalized person. I said let's call. I'm not saying it is a disability. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not saying, agreeing. I'm not I'm, agreeing to let's call I'm it that. I'm categorizing it in the same way, in so much as you're marginalized. I'm not saying it's literally a disability. I'm saying there's a commonality with those who are disabled, in so much as you're marginalized. She was marginalized at that table. There were six people at that right, table. I just, she didn't exist. I, I will. I don't. 
see how that relates to a disability. I'm relating it to if you are, maybe I'm jumping ahead, but I when I, with Mad Men, there are many instances of people who have disabilities who are marginalized. So I'm saying it's part of this culture. So perhaps I was jumping around too much. But the point is there are six people at that table and it's just the two of them when Jimmy is, you know, uh, uh, fawning all, all over Betty. So it's my, again, the culture is if you're in a wheelchair, if you're overweight, if you're just not in that desirable zone, right, in that narrow that narrow corridor, um, you don't exist. You just don't exist. And that's that's what we saw. Because it's, even nowadays, we would look at that as there's a heavyset woman at the table. She doesn't, like... Like, like, like to, to, to ignore anybody at the table, regardless of their weight, but to um, spend all, like, kind of go over the top, spending all this attention on the pretty girl at the table, is just rude. It's rude no matter who's at the table. Yeah, it's, and it, it's and, and I don't think anybody thought anything of that. Yes, it was Jimmy being Jimmy, but I think that was a common. Like he was, he was highlighting, he was caricaturing that that concept but i don't think that was he wasn't inventing it the idea of there's no one at this table but you and me it was right. it was kind of that's kind of the cultural element there there was okay to not include the big woman the person in the wheelchair the person with you know a disability in the conversation at all i'm just going to fight you for the rest of time to even try to make that comparison I, I, I know what you think you're saying, but it is so further marginalizing fat people to put them in the category next to dis- disabled. Listen, disabled is a whole other thing. I'm not. I'm that not. is that that that's, you know, that also I'm recognizing be that it's how it was then. you in terms of marginalization. There, there was you're putting two things together that nobody else is putting together. Perhaps. I don't know. There were lots of marginalized people, overweight people, in some cases were one of them. And in social situations, yes, I think that's part of it. <laughs> Feels like there's an audience here and the audience is totally fucking silent. Yes, it is. Uh, is there anything else to say about this dinner? Is there a way to end this dinner? Will this dinner ever end? It's going to ever end. I didn't expect it to go here because I wasn't I wasn't on this track in any of my any of my thinking when I watched it. Um, so, okay, that was the dinner. My God, it was not my favorite dinner. <laughs> we never got to see the good food. Uh, the apology was good, and you know more to come for sure from this bomb of a new set of dynamics like i said they're now in our lives Bobby episode and three Barrett are now in our lives in our right. lives whether we want them here or not right after this break that we're gonna take quotes all right okay so somewhere on the season two dvd if you remember roberta there was a party and at the party there was someone from amc there who was recording us fans I think this was a season five DVD or season. It wasn't season two. Season two. Was it not season two? Nah, was it later no, in season there? two. I promise you. The season two was our okay. very first party. It was our very first party when Matt showed up in that little room. Okay. So okay. wherever you're going, bring it back. So, so <laughs> Let's try again. Not, so I, was, I was incorrect about the season, but somewhere in, I guess if it was season five or whatever it might've been down the road, there is buried in the, uh, in the extras is a bunch of fans like us giving our favorite. Not just like us. Us. Um, I, think it's season, I think it's season five. Qu- yeah, I definitely don't remember. I said two because I used I a quote out. from this episode as my quote. And somewhere oh. buried in that archive will be me when they say, what's your favorite line from Mad Men? And I said, he knows what that nut means to us and what us means to us. <laughs> Which is Roger and Don's office. So that's definitely going to be my quote of the episode. He knows what that nut means to us and what us means to us. And it's like, you know, so whether great. that was Matthew or that was Rick Cleveland or whoever wrote that line, you can just see the grin from ear to ear. <laughs> For Let's put that in. Matt Weiner's from Baltimore, right? And I think Utz mm-hmm. is a Baltimore brand. It's a mid-Atlantic brand. Pennsylvania, Delaware, 
So it was regionally, okay. But it was, yeah. Wait, and was, remind me, if you know the answer to this, the uh, Peggy's date in season one, the truck driver, did did he sell up? Did he distribute up or was it not No, he had, was it, it was... He had a potato chip brand, and Peggy it asked was if it was potato chips. That or was it. Not Lay's. I or Lay's. It was either Wise or Lay's. Well, it's interesting because these things used to be regional brands. Utz was a regional brand. Uh, uh, Wise was a regional brand. In New Jersey, we had something called Charles Chips. Which was, <gasps> That's right. They used to come in these like sort of off yellow canisters. Yes. Right? And there was like chips and cookies Pre- and little yes, salty yes, sweet yes. things. Uh, and yeah, they would bring them to your door. It was very weird. I didn't, I, it just <laughs> went away. Just all this one day, there was no more Charles chips. But uh, yeah, anyway, the, the, the salty snacks industry was regional, which is weird now to say because it doesn't, it's nothing like regional uh, these days. I mean, we still have some, you know, there's certainly some regional things. Malamars is definitely an East Coast and seasonal. Is that true? Oh, I didn't. I didn't know that. Am I wrong that Malamars is regional? I I, I always thought they were just. Uh, they're definitely Malamar. seasonal. If you've never had a Malamar, it is oh, a. Malamars uh, are great. They're the greatest thing. And somebody somebody just was mentioning the other day how 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 they haven't changed. How they how they have retained their. Whereas you know that's right. Drake's is not a yodel is not the same yodel as when I was a kid, and that's I remember right. my dad saying it's not the same yodel as when he was a kid. <laughs> right, but. But Malamars have retained, uh, watch yeah. this, is Malamar Regional. Malamars are manufactured in Toronto? All right. Wait, what? All right, hold on. Oh, look at the picture of the Malamars. <laughs> the box come up and I was like, I haven't had any this year. I usually don't go, I usually at least have a box a season. Like I, <laughs> I don't usually pass Malamar season. Wait, see about Hoboken. All right, hold on. 10 things you didn't know about Malamars. Nabisco. All right. So I used to live near that famous Nabisco factory where you could drive by and smell different cookies on different days. I didn't live like right by it, but it was uh-huh. in my area enough that, you know, I might once or twice a month drive past it and you could smell it from your car. Uh-huh. Nabisco sold its first Malamars to grocer, to a grocer in West Hoboken in 1913. West Hoboken no longer exists. It became, it merged from Union City, blah, blah, blah. This is all very, very local for me, FYI. Oh, yeah, sure, Union right? City. Malamars are only in season September through March. It's because they are not overly preserved. They are, they are these, uh, How about they that? are a chocolate covered uh, marshmallow center, like, uh, it's not graham cracker, it's just like a biscuity cookie right. with, a mar- with marshmallow fluff on top of it, but like stiffer than, like not the jarred marshmallow, like marshmallow and then chocolate over it. And they're the greatest things in the world. Sounds like they're a little marginalized. <laughs> I, I see what you did there. <laughs> Fucking mother. <laughs> um, um, anyway. So now I they're produced even, in Toronto. But they were, so they were local. I just, I feel like, you know what? Listen, listeners, I'm not going to edit this out. I'm keeping the, it's a Nabisco thing. Mm-hmm. So it starts, still? and they, they don't. Nabisco? Apparently uh, Tony Soprano loved them. All right. I don't know the answer. Yeah, uh, I didn't know they were anything but Malamar's the same everywhere, you know. Uh, can can our listeners tweet if they know, let us know what you know about Malamar's in terms of regional. If they in terms of this your region. long, we'll buy you a box of Malamar's just for making it this far through the podcast. How about that? Uh, Dan will buy you a box of Malamar's. <laughs> That's, right. <laughs> That's right. All right. Um... um your quote? My quote. <laughs> or do you want to I'm take a start break singing, between quotes? <laughs> oh, my God. The the full line is Arthur saying, you're, you're so profoundly sad. And Betty Draper saying, no, it's just my people are Nordic. Hmm. My people are Nordic is something I will say. And again, I, I've talked about how I don't, this is not a show I quote that much. But I will just whip out a My People Are Nordic. A show or an episode? You quote the the show show all the time, do you not? You don't quote from Mad Men, like, just whenever? I don't quote Mad Men as much as I quote other shows, is what I'm saying. It's not the episode. But this, I don't, I don't, I just don't. I don't have, for whatever reason, there's not, but this one is one I'll, you know, I told you, I've said, you know, from last season, I will, I will from time to time say, I'm not feeling so swell. Mm -hmm. And I will randomly say. My people are Nordic. That's a good one. I walk around and say, you are so profoundly sad. And people just, 
they react kind of funny, which is yeah. weird. They don't know the it's not line. not that funny. Right. Um, <laughs> uh, next episode is three Sundays. And yes. that is yeah. an incredible – you know, you start to get the rhythm of these seasons and it's episodes four, five, six, things start to move a little more. Yeah, there's a lot of, a lot of hidden gems in season two. A lot of hidden gems. Benefactor is one. Three Sundays might not be so hidden, but it is a gem. Um for sure. I think it's it's one of the finest of the season. Um, okay. Well, that's our discussion of The Benefactor. <laughs> Delightful to have you with us. Please it went join great. Us ne- please join us next time. Please do. You know what's us. amazing about this episode? We're not going to have to cut anything. Like, this one's like straight through. One, one take, I'm pretty sure. I mean, nip tuck here and there. But, like, I think we can keep just about everything. <laughs> right it's how we do it it's how we roll we i think we got this down we got this podcast thing down all right listen everybody good yontif. have a wonderful day enjoy every podcast you're gonna listen to peace out If you're enjoying our show, please give us a glowing review on Apple Podcasts and share the show on social media. And if you're able to support us, you can subscribe at patreon.com slash theycoinedit. We've got some extra content there for you. We love hearing from our listeners. You can send your thoughts or questions to questions at tcimadmenpod.com or check in with us on Twitter and Instagram at tcimadmenpod. We're just at the beginning. We can't wait to discuss more Mad Men with you and continue bringing in special guests. Thank you so much, and we'll see you on the next episode.